Your Bibles, go to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, and stand with me as you turn, Jonah chapter 2, and I appreciate that song, Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, and and in, uh, the Jonah kind of records one of the greatest missionary outreach, greatest day, few days of revival or souls coming to Christ than you'll find in the Bible. Uh, when you read the book of Nineveh, you'll find that city turned to the Lord. They repented and turned to the Lord. Over a million souls, more than likely, they say. Over a million souls would have lived in that city of Nineveh. And, and uh, Jonah showed up eventually after a time of rebellion and came preaching a message of repentance. And uh, the city turned. Of course, the Lord's judgment would still fall, but over a million souls would come to know the Lord. That's pretty. Uh, you always think of Pentecost, 3,000 coming to know Christ. What an event that would have been. But, uh, boy, Nineveh turning to Christ was, uh, was a big event. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, and the depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own ways. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Read verse 9 with me, would you? Uh, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, giving thanks from the belly of a whale. Giving thanks from the belly of a whale. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much. For who you are and what you have done for us. I thank you for the incredible privilege of being able to lift our voices up and thank our God and praise our God. To make our life a testimony of, of what you can do in a man's life. And to bring honor and glory to your name, not only through our worship and the way we respond to your service, but the way we live our life. That's what you've called us for. To live our lives for you, not unto ourselves, but unto the one who died for us. I pray that tonight this message would help develop that in our life. To make us more like Christ. To draw us near to you. To give thanks. Lord, not only with the words that we say, but the way that we live. Lord, I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came into Jonah, the same son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. Boy, he, he fled from the presence of God, fled from the will of God, and as a result of fleeing from the will of God, he fled from the presence of God. Uh, I'll tell you something. Whenever you move away from the will of God, you move away from the presence of God. There was another man who fled from the presence of God, and his name was Cain, and his life was marked. God marked him, the mark of Cain. He fled from God's will, and here we see another man that would flee from God, and God wasn't going to let him go. He had a fish ready for him to bring him back. But in this passage of scripture, we see the Lord, we see a man finally come to a place of giving thanks and giving thanks from the belly of a whale, or the belly of a whale. And here he is in, in that belly of a whale and he begins to praise and thank God. 
you kind of see in this passage of Scripture what I think brings the, condition, the type of heart that brings about thanksgiving. The type of heart that brings about thanksgiving. You know, some folks have brought doubt to this book, this book of Jonah and the miracles that are there. Many skeptics, and they like to bring doubt to some of the miracles of God. And uh, However, the Lord himself would say in Matthew 20, 12, verse 40, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ obviously believed the miracle. Uh, the Lord referred to it as, as a true story. Jonah was a picture of the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Luke eleven thirty, it says, For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. And be, be weary of those who bring doubt and try to explain away the miracles of God. And because in order to explain away this miracle, you must explain away the deity of Christ. Either Christ is who he said he was or he is not. And those who would doubt who this story would also bring doubt to who Christ is. Because Christ called attention to this miracle. He called attention to it. Jonah was a prophet who lived only a mere three or four miles from the city of Nazareth. Another incredible picture of Christ. In the book of, uh, in the book of Kings, in 2 Kings chapter 14, 25, it said, He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath under the sea of the plain. According to the word of the Lord of God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of the, his servant Jonah, the son of Anamatai, the prophet, which was of Gathir, which is only a few miles from Nazareth. Remember those Sadducees and, and Pharisees would question who Christ was when they would say in John seven fifty two, they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet." Boy, they didn't know their Bible very well, did they? God brought a, a prophet out of Galilee, and his name was Jonah. There's an incredible picture there. The Lord would send him, would send him straight into to Nineveh to bring forth the message. I, I read one commentator said about Jonah, he was the first apostle to the Gentiles. He was the first apostle to the Gentiles. He went down to the Gentiles with a message of repentance. And, you know, we think of that first being concerned for the Gentiles being in the New Testament, but... In this passage of Scripture, we see that God was concerned for more than just the Jew. He was concerned about the Gentiles. Jonah, in this passage of Scripture, as you read it, you'll, you'll, you'll see that he failed to truly understand the love of God for people, didn't he? John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the what? The world that he gave his only begotten son. Jonah got his eyes on the Jews. He got his eyes on the Jews. And he had good reason to not be excited about, about Nineveh. It was the imperial city of the Assyrians. And uh, Israel had a poor relationship at this time with the Assyrians. And uh, at this time, Israel had a little bit of the upper hand around the time of Jonah. And uh, the king there had captured some of the cities. The, the king mentioned here in this, this passage of Scripture would capture some of the cities and back. But later on in 2 Kings chapter 18, you would see the Assyrians march in and they would take Israel captive because of their wickedness. You want to see wickedness and what would happen to the people of God as the result of sin. Read 2 Kings chapter 18. 18, as they tried to mix the worship of God with the, with the pagan things around them. And God would allow the Syrians to come and they would deport many of the people of Israel back into Assyria in 2 Kings chapter 18. And Jonah was a prophet. He no doubt knew what was coming. He was a prophet to Israel. And no question, if you lived in his time, if you were looking towards the judgment of God, you probably didn't have to look very much further than the Assyrians. But in Jonah's eyes, he had his eyes on the people of Israel, and God had his eyes on the people of the world and the Gentile as well. 
Jonah failed to understand God's love for the world. Jonah failed to understand the joy that the Lord has in one soul that repenteth. And in Nineveh, there was one over one million. The Bible tells us, the end of the book of Jonah, that there was over 120,000, didn't know the right hand from the left, just little infants in the city. But a million, they say, meant more than likely over a million souls. They would say at Nineveh at that time was probably 60 miles across, three days travel. The city was made that multiple chariots, the walls around the city, multiple chariots could ride upon the top of the walls surrounding that city. It was a great city, a city of many souls. And Jonah had his eyes on the Jew. Jonah had his eyes on his own. And before we're too hard on Jonah, we need to be careful there, right? So many times we can have our eyes on ourselves, can't we? We can have our eyes on our own and on our family and on our few and not our eyes on the world. And Jonah was there. Jonah had his eyes on his own, his own countrymen, and commendably so, he loved his people, didn't he? But the downside of that was that he failed to see who God loved. And God said to Jonah, I want you to go down to Nineveh with a message of repentance. And Jonah heard it and he said, not so. I'm going to Tarshish. He went the exact opposite. I was looking up a little bit. They believe the city of Tarshish would be now and somewhere in the around Spain is what they believe. At the time of Jonah, it would have been the farthest reaches of the known world. He went to try to get as far away as he could get from where God called him to go. Went to get as far away. God said, I have a message for you. And and he said, I am going to flee from the presence of the Lord. I'm not going down to those Ninevites. I'm not going there. I'm more concerned for my own. And really to the point that he was willing to displease his God in the interest of his people. Once again, we shouldn't be too hard. Sometimes we can displease God in the interest of our own, can't we? And he certainly did. He fled. He fled from the presence of God, fled from the will of God, and went in the opposite direction of what God intended him to go. And you know the story. God was not content with that. He was not going to let Jonah do that. Jonah was his own. Jonah was his prophet. Jonah was his means of bringing the message of repentance to the Ninevite. And and let me tell you this, Christian. You are God's own. You are God's means of bringing the gospel to a lost world. Don't flee what God has called you to do. I think of this. We have the Christmas season coming. And if there's any time of year that people think much about Christ in terms of the world, it's the Christmas season. But if we're not careful, it can be the time in which we speak the least about him. Because we're wrapped up in our plans and all that we have going on around the Christmas season that we fail to communicate the message of the gospel very well to a lost world. Jonah, Jonah was fleeing from the Lord in the interest of his own agenda. And God said, Jonah, I'm not going to let it happen. And he prepared a fish. He prepared a whale. And that, but that Jonah was on the boat, and there it was. You know, the Lord, he no sooner stepped, set, and they set sail from the boat before the storm came. And what a storm that was. It catches my attention how far he was, he away, from the, he was away from the Lord. In the middle of all that God was trying to do to get his attention, he was asleep. You know, you can have some semblance of peace outside of the will of God. The peace of doing your own will. 
being content doing what you want to do, but it is only temporary, I will tell you that. It is temporary. And he fell asleep, and those pagans woke him up. Even the pagans knew something was wrong. (laughs) Even the pagans knew something was wrong. What are you doing down here sleeping when the storm's out here? We're praying to our God. Why don't you get out of the boat and pray pray to yours? Get up and pray. And, of course, they would call him up, and eventually they would cast lots, and the lot would fall upon Jonah. And Jonah would say, well, I, I can tell you why I serve the God who made all of this creation. And I'm not doing what he's asked. And they said, well, what do we do about it? And he said, well, throw me overboard. Isn't that something? It catches my attention. Even in that moment, Jonah didn't say, dear God, forgive me. Can we turn this boat around and head back the way we should go? He was going to die doing his own will. We can do that as people, can't we? We can be so determined to do what we want to do and set our face like flint to do what we want to do, even in the face of God doing everything he can to get our attention. And that was Jonah. He sent his face like flint to his own will. Throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. And you know the story, the fellows there, even those pagans said, yeah, I don't think that's a good thing to do. They tried even more, but finally they caved. And they threw him overboard overboard. You read John chapter 1, you'll see that it all became still. Almost like God said, peace be still. And he probably did. And it was still. And Jonah was in the belly of a whale. There he was. And in this passage of scripture, we read his prayer. Jonah, looking back, no doubt, begins to record his prayer. And at the end of this prayer, you see a message of thanksgiving. There wasn't much thanksgiving at the beginning of the book, but there is here in the middle of the belly. Here his time comes, and he begins to give thanks. And I want to look at some of this that I think prepares our hearts, lessons that we can learn from this that help us make us a thankful people. The first thing we see is Jonah's reckoning in this chapter. If you look at verses 1 through 3, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, out of the fish belly, fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. Out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Verse 5. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. He was having seaweed on Thanksgiving, a seaweed salad. That's what he was having, right? I teased my, my wife and my sister-in-laws that were all getting together for Thanksgiving, some family, and I, and I teased them. I sent them the, the Thanksgiving menu just to be first on, you know, everybody's favorite list, you know. And uh, it didn't put me on anybody's favorite list when you start sending the ladies what. Now, here's the order, all right, right? But I'm sure on nobody's list was seaweed. But here, is, here, is, here we see Jonah, and he's in, his, in the depths of the sea. His head is wrapped about by the seaweed, and he even would say here in verse 2, and he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction to the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of what? Hell. It's almost as if God let him get a little bit of a glimpse of what Nineveh would experience if he didn't go. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's as if God said, Jonah, 
I've got a fish that's going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to give you a little hell on earth. I'm going to let you see what a lack of repentance brings into your life. Misery, agony, as low as you can go. It's like the Lord let him go as deep as he could take him without sending him to the lake of fire. Let me get you as close as I can, Jonah, without physically putting you there. You will reap what you sow. Doesn't sin do that? Jonah had turned away from the will of God. Boy, sin surely does that. It'll take people very low. It gives us lures of pleasures of sin for a season, but ultimately, lust when it has conceived, bringing forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringing forth death. Preached a message in, at our men's assault conference and made the statement about another portion of Scripture where it says, I believe this, there's no negotiating with sin. There's no balancing it out. There's no choosing how much of the consequence I want or how much I am going to get. We do not get to choose the consequences. We only choose our actions. And here we see that with Jonah. He did not get to pick the fish's belly. He just got to pick where he went. And he chose to flee the presence of God. Friend, there is no telling how low you can go when you flee the presence of God and the will of God. God said, I am going to let you feel the agony that a soul feels when they turn from me. Is this what you want the Ninevites to experience Jonah? Is this it? The horror. He says here, not only he had a reckoning as he would wish upon his enemy the thing God wished upon no man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But Jonah was content with the Ninevites experiencing it. And God said, Jonah, I'm going to let you have it. You can reap what you sow. He reaped a separation from God. Verse 4, then said I, I am cast out of thy sight. It's a lonely place to be out of the presence of the Lord. He said, I'm cast out of thy sight. Truly, if you read verse, the end of verse 3 of chapter 1, it said to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Cast out, maybe jumped out. Maybe jumped out. It's a lonely place to be far from the presence of God. It's a lonely place to be where you don't hear his voice. His voice of comfort, his verse voice of encouragement, his voice of conviction. It is a lonely place to be, but that is where sin goes. Sin in the life of a Christian will be bring a quiet voice. Not because he's no longer speaking, but we fled his presence. It was a low place. It was a place of separation. In verse 7, he says this, when my soul fainted within me. When my soul fainted, it means to be overwhelmed. His reckoning brought him to a place of torment, of separation, and a place of being just overwhelmed. I tell you this, Christian, to be far from God and on your own is a very overwhelming place to be. I think of the prodigal son, what it must have been like to be down in the pigsty ready to eat 
what the pigs ate. An overwhelming feeling. But he had made his choice. So he didn't make his choice to be in a pigsty. I know that's the choice he made when he fled his father's presence. He fled it. Uh, we don't see much thanksgiving in that moment, do we? To flee from the presence of God. To ignore his will and his command. He began to experience the torment that God said, I'm just going to get you, let you have a glimmer, Jonah. I'm just going to let you get a glimmer of what those Ninevites will experience if they don't hear the message that I have called you to deliver. And there's something to remember, Christian. The, the, the horror and the torment that a world will experience if they don't get the message that God has given to us. The word of reconciliation. And God said, Jonah, I'm going to let you experience a little bit. I'm going to let you feel a little bit. Jonah, I'm going to let you experience again the separation that it feels like when you turn from God. Isn't it a joy to know God's comfort when you go through trial? Go through a hardship and know God working in your heart? world doesn't know that. Far, far away. Jonah must have felt so far away. However, in verse 7, we see Jonah's reckoning, but we also see what Jonah remembered. Verse 7, when my soul fainted, all of this had overwhelmed him. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came into thee, into thine holy temple. I'm thankful that you can experience the torment of sin, the horror of separation from God, and the overwhelming defeat. But never does God close his ear to our prayer. He's always ready for a repentant prayer. He's always ready for a prayer of God help me and forgive me. And in this passage of scripture, we see Jonah remembered something. Hold up, Lord. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. What he didn't experience on the deck of the ship, he experienced in the belly of a whale. He had sent it, set his face like flint on the, on the ship and said, just throw me overboard. But the torment got his, temp, his attention. The separation got his attention. All the things that experienced from moving away from God, that, that sin that he allowed in his life, to step outside of the will of God and to move away from God, what God had for him and the consequences that followed that reaping. And I, and, I, and I will remind you, Christian, we do reap what we sow, don't we? We reap what we sow. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth. That shall he also reap. It is inevitable to this Christian that you will reap the things we sow in our life. And he was reaping it. And it was horrible. And then he remembered. I like Psalms 139 where it says this in verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me. Search me, O God. I believe this with all of my heart. The heart that leads to a thankful heart is a heart that begins with search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Jonah, Jonah had experienced the reaping of what he sowed, the reckoning for what he had, the decisions that he was made. And now God was reminding him. Remember for a minute, Jonah. 
And Jonah began, I wonder if he maybe remembered what it was like in his relationship with the Lord before he fled his presence. Man, before he let that sin in his life, before he made his decision to go as far away as he could, the joy of serving the Lord rather than the horror of the whale's belly, <laughs> the fish's belly, to know those things, the joy of the Lord, what it was to not be overwhelmed. Not that the circumstances may not have been great, but to know that God was carrying you through. God was taking you through. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, to know God's way of escape rather than the horror of choosing the opposite. And all of a sudden, he said, I remember the Lord. I remember who he is. I remember what he's done. I've remembered his call. I remember his love and I remember his mercy. Maybe he, meant he remembered what God had done in his life and all of a sudden he remembered the mercy of God, the grace of God and what God had given him in his own life and realized what he was trying to take from the Ninevite people over one million souls that needed it. And all of a sudden he said, if God did that all for me, how dare I stay away? How dare I stay away? And he remembered his God. Search me, oh God. Let me ask you something, Christian. When's the last time you truly just said, search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, thou wilt not despise. He said, I won't despise it. And he remembered the Lord. As a result of that, he, he began to repent in verse 8. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You see a turning taking place in his heart, right? Now, the, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe this was the moment when the fish changed direction. I don't know where he was going before. Now, maybe he started off heading to, in the direction of Nineveh, but I don't know. But I think this is the moment as Jonah's heart turned, God decided he was going to continue to use Jonah. And his heart was broken. His heart was broken. I think of John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Jonah knew the pardon that a whole lot of people needed, didn't he? And he experienced it. He, he would speak of these things when he said in verse two, he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly of hell I cried and thou heardest my voice. Verse 3, for thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the sea, and thy floods passed me about. All thy billows and thy waves pass over me. Then, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He said, Lord, I'm going back to where you are. I'm going to seek repentance. I'm going to bleed for forgiveness. I'm going to go back in the right direction that I'm supposed to go. And God began to work in his heart and in his life again. 
a heart that had, that had been hard, that had fled the presence of God, that was willing to let others perish, and he turned and he had gone away, and yet in this moment, as his heart was broken, as he began to reap what he had sown, and as he felt the horrors, as he would describe them of hell, as he would know the torment of separation from his God, as, as he saw these things taking place in his life, his heart changed and he sought repentance. And his heart was broken. And what catches me is that as he did that, it says here in, in verse 9, at this point, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. The ground of a thankful heart is a repentant heart. That's where thankfulness is found. A repentant heart. A heart that has been made right with God. That had seen how far they were. I will tell you this. I, Sin will rob you of your gratefulness. Sin will rob you of your gratefulness. And gratefulness, or and a lack of, in, of in, and ingratitude, is a sin. Hey, what did the Lord say? In everything, what? Give thanks. For this is the what? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The murmuring tongue is a sinning tongue. The complaining heart is a sinful heart. And it is far from him. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And we're not careful. We lose the gratefulness of our heart because of the sin that we've allowed in our life. Sometimes the very sin we let in our heart was ingratitude. Here we see God doing something. I, I don't know about you, but from a human standpoint, a belly's whale, a, a, a whale's belly, a bale, belly's whale. I don't like to see that. A, a whale's belly sounds like a hard place to praise, right? It does. Sounds like a hard place to give. I, I mean, Daniel from the message this morning was in a hard place to praise and thank. But he gave thanks even before he knew the outcome of the, of the lion's den, but he was still thanking God. As he had a Ford time, he prayed, but that was a hard place. But this one, even harder. Right? This one is even harder. The seaweed wrapped around his head. I'm sure the smell wasn't great. Three days and three nights, pretty miserable. Some people believe that, that Jonah died in the belly of the whale and God revived him at the end. I don't know. I know he was there. When I get to heaven, I'll ask him, all right? I don't know for sure. But I know it had to be a pretty miserable place, and I know it had to be more miserable than anything I've ever experienced in my life. But he was thanking the Lord. He was thanking God. Why? Was he thanking God in his circumstance when we may be murmuring in ours? His heart. His heart. Jonah didn't know which way the fish was going. Jonah didn't know that he was going to have the grossest delivery ever. ever. Vomited up. He didn't know. But he was giving thanks. He was giving thanks in the belly of a whale. Why? His heart. His heart. 
I can tell you this, you can manufacture sometimes gratitude. But a heart that is right with God will always produce gratefulness and thanksgiving. It doesn't matter whether it's headed for a lion's den or trying to make way in the belly of a whale. A heart that is right with God is a heart giving thanks. Because in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I tell you, the, the place to start with having a spirit of thanksgiving starting with repentance. Search me, O God, and know me. Or just see if there's any wicked way in me. If you read Psalms 139, Brother Davison preached on it or taught on it in Sunday school a week ago in my class, but do you know the Psalms 139, if you were to look there, the first few verses begin with God saying, I know thee, I've searched thee, I know thee. And then at the conclusion of it, the psalmist is saying, Search me, O God, and know me. But there's a difference between God already knowing you and you telling God, would you come in and get to know me? There's a difference between God just flat knowing you and knowing the condition of your heart and you saying, God, know me and change me. There's a big difference. See, God knows you whether you let him in or not. But if if you let him in, he changes you. God knows the condition of my heart and the motives of my heart. and He knows me to the very core better than I know myself. But the difference between me staying in a state of sin and being changed is whether I let him in. Lord, search me. Here is Jonah, this hard-hearted Christian. Now, he was a prophet, he had delivered. If you go to 2 Kings, those verses in chapter 14, you'd see that he was known as a prophet. That means he was a foreteller and a foreteller if you were in Sunday school. In other words, he was used for both the prophecy of giving prophecy, but also a foreteller of God's word. His primary thing was he was a preacher of God's word and he would give direction for what God had to his people. That's who he was. But he made his, got his heart hard when he rejected the will of God. And he got his eyes on his own. He got his eyes on his own, his own people, his own nation, his own family, his own town. And he got his eyes off of what God had. God wasn't just concerned for the people of Israel. He was concerned for those one million Ninevites that needed a message of repentance. And Jonah said, hang on a second, they're our enemy. They're even going to be the means of God chastening hand upon his own people. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go to them. And Jonah turned and fled from the presence of the Lord. And all of a sudden, God said, no. No. You cannot flee my will. I will not let you do it. I'll let you get a glimmer of what they would know if you don't go, Jonah. Down into the belly of the whale as deep as you can go to the sea, as close as you can get to hell without actually being there. Far from the presence of your God. Separated from him. Separated from him. And overwhelmed at your condition until. You know, everything changed not because of the circumstance. 
a thankful heart, it's as if he began to give thanks even for, you know, we know this. He gave thanks even before the circumstance changed, didn't he? Even before the circumstance changed, he was giving thanks. Kind of almost as if at the moment of repentance, the weight fell off. As if that overwhelming feeling went away. As if the separation from God, he might have been in the belly of a whale in the depths of the sea, but all of a sudden, the presence of God, he began to feel again. All of a sudden, the victory, he began to feel in his own heart again. And he praised God. He said, I'll keep my vow. You called me, I'll go. You called me, I'll go. And that fish spit him out. I don't know where. Some say on shore. I'm sure he wouldn't have minded at that point swimming a little bit, get cleaned up, right? But spit him out. And he went delivering the message. Not a perfect man by far. He still was concerned for his own, wasn't he? And he still sat under that gourd and got mad when it died. He still had some work God still had to do on Jonah. And we shouldn't be too hard of him because God's still working on us. But the reality is this. It was in that state of repentance that he gave thanks. Are you struggling with thanks in a circumstance? Look to repentance. Search me, O oh God. Try my heart. Because a repentant heart can give thanks even in the belly of a whale. Even in the belly of a whale. It can give thanks. Sometimes we just need to say, Lord, search me, O oh God. I want to be a thankful man. I want to be a joyful man. I want to know the joy of the Lord, the love of the Lord. I want my life to be fine, not by my crankiness, by my joyfulness. Not be measured by the circumstance, but be measured by the, my countenance in the circumstance. The joy of the Lord. And the thing that makes the difference is the condition of our heart. Not your circumstance, the condition of your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. What a convicting passage of Scripture this is. I, Lord, I don't know about anybody else, but I can read the story of Jonah. It's like looking in the mirror sometimes to see as he would pursue his will over your will and Lord, all the things that he would do in his life. and Lord, but you wouldn't let him go, and I'm thankful that you wouldn't let him go. Those Ninevites, I'm sure, but I'm thankful that in that we see you won't let us go either. We're yours. Lord, and you're going to perform your will in our life until the day of, day of redemption, until the day we see the Lord. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be tender. Lord, that we would say, search me, O God, and know me, try me, dear Lord. That our hearts would go out clean tonight, and we would know the joy of a heart where the burden of sin has been lifted a joy of rejoicing and thanksgiving at who God is and what he's done for us rather than a murmuring heart because it's far from God. Rather than knowing the overwhelming net state of being far from God and the separation from your presence and the torments of your chastening as you try to draw us back to you, that we would know the joy and the rejoicing of the Lord. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And let me just ask you this first question is, do you know the Lord? Do you know him? Was there a day in your life when you put your trust in Christ as your Savior and you could say, I have been born again. I know that I'm saved. I trust in the Lord. That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand just between you and I, Lord? Say, preacher, I know it. Thank you. You may put your hand down. How many of you say, preach, Lord has spoken to my heart.
I don't know what it may be. That's, that's specifically between you and God, you and the Holy Ghost, what he laid on your heart. But certainly the need to have a thankful heart. The need to have a heart that is open to the searching of God rather than a heart that is closed to his searching. You say, preacher, the Lord has touched my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play, as God has spoken to your heart? Why don't you give thanks for one? Give thanks. Thank him for who he is.